Um, as always, we have plenty to pray about. We want to pray for our state, local and national leaders. We want to pray uh, for our church and our church family. We want to pray for the other churches in Guyman. We want to pray for Nancy Schmidt, the CEO of Texas County Hospital, the staff and the healthcare workers. We want to pray for Dan Stiles, the board and the staff and the residents of Dunaway Manor. Pray for our teachers and students and our local school boards as they try to finalize all the things that have to be done for this year. Uh, pray especially for the Goodwill schools as they're trying to get some sort of gra- get a graduation together, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So pray that would go well. Pray for those in our community who would be classified as the most vulnerable. Pray for those who are affected by the coronavirus. Of course, you know the numbers in our community are pretty high right now. So chances are we all know somebody who has it. So pray for them. Pray for their families. Pray for those who are anxious and fearful. And pray people would turn to Jesus in this time of uncertainty. That's always our our primary care is that people would turn to Jesus. I want to read a psalm, Psalm 33, from one of our five psalms today. And then we'll pray. Psalm 33 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with a harp. Sing unto Him with psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto Him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. He gathereth the waters by the sea, together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in a storehouse. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever in the thoughts of the heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen as His own inheritance. The Lord looketh down from heaven and beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of His habitation He looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioned their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. Let the mercy of the Lord be upon us according as we hope in Thee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Lord, we are thankful today we are not dependent upon a king or a president or a political party or a nation or anything like that for our safety, for our strength, for our security, for our hope, for our future. Our hope is in You, the God who spoke the worlds into existence, the God who, who rules over the nations of men and brings counsel to naught of those He wishes to frustrate. Lord, you can do anything you want to do and there is no one on earth who can stop you. There is none in heaven who can thwart your plans. You are the great God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And we rejoice in the hope we have in you today. We rejoice in the security we have in you today. We rejoice 
in the fact that your favor is upon us, that you do bless us. And we ask, Father, you would help us. Help us to stand in all of you. Help us to fear you as we ought to. Lord, to recognize your greatness, your power and your majesty. And to live lives demonstrating our God is awesome. Our God is all powerful. Our God can do anything he wants to do. Father, look down upon this world and all the troubles and the chaos that's going on in this time. And Lord, bring order into the chaos. We know you are not the God of confusion, the author of confusion. We know, God, you can bring about your glory and our good no matter what trials and tribulations and hardships are going on. We trust you with that. But Lord, we ask you to to begin to do that in ways we can see. Father, help us as your people to have eyes to see your hand at work in this world. Your hand at work in our community. Let us see, God, that you are healing the sick. That you are saving the lost. That you are restoring the prodigal. Let us see you are setting captives free. You're healing broken hearts. And Lord, you are causing the plagues and the pestilence that reign on this earth at this time. You're causing it to fail. And not bring about the kind of damage. We're being told it's supposed to bring. Our hope is in you. So we ask for you to guide our president. You to guide our governor. For you to guide our local leaders. Give them wisdom. Give them godly counselors. And let them do things that would bring you glory. Let them do things that would be best for our nation. For our state. For our community. God, Nancy Schmidt and the folks at the hospital, Lord, as they test people, as they deal with those who are sick who come in, keep them healthy. Give them wisdom and guidance to know what to do to best help those who come in. Provide for the hospital. I'm sure there's a a shortage of some things they need, but provide for them as we know you can. Bless Dan and the board with the wisdom they need to best take care of of the precious residents of Dunaway Manor. Guide the staff to be safe. Guide the residents to be safe. Keep the virus out as, Lord, I was going to say as much as you can, but you can do all things. So we know there's at least one case in there right now. Let no more come in there. And with the one person that has it, touch their body and make them well. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Guide in our community. And let the numbers start to drop. Let them start to drop dramatically, God. Let us see your hand at work in this. And as we continue to make decisions and to try to do what we need to do, give the churches wisdom. Let them be filled with your spirit and your glory. That your light would shine out from all the churches in Gaiman. And the people of our community would know there is hope, help, and healing through Christ and through the churches of Christ in our community. Have your way in all things, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. (laughs) Have you ever noticed how difficult it can be to keep moving forward in our lives? Or let me state it another way. Have you noticed how easy it is to go back to what's familiar or to just do what is easiest? I mean, think about it. 
We, we can all move forward as long as moving forward is easy. But what happens when moving forward begins to be difficult? What happens if in the middle of our moving forward, we begin to face hardships in our life? Or in the middle of our trying to move forward, we begin to get a little discouraged? Well, the easiest thing for us to do is if moving forward gets hard, we stop moving forward and we do what's easy. Or if we begin to face trials and difficulties, if we begin to be discouraged, we go back to what's easy. We go back to what we've always done, what is most familiar. Now we see this, we see this in the Bible. But think about the disciples after Jesus has been crucified in the Gospel of John. Right, they're discouraged. They, I think they've heard reports Jesus has risen. But, but they don't know what to do. Things are difficult. They're a little afraid. And so they determine they should just go fishing. Why fishing? Of all of the activities to do, why go fishing? Because many of them were fishermen before Jesus called them. Going back to fishing was doing what was most familiar in their lives. For myself, I, I think about after I got out of the army. I'd been out of the army a little while, and I began to be discouraged. I, life outside wasn't quite what I imagined it to be, and it was a little harder than I imagined it to be to try to move forward with what I felt I was supposed to be doing. And as I began to go, I, it just got harder, and so... I decided to do what was familiar. I went and began to talk to the army recruiter to re-enlist in the army. Why? Because being a soldier was familiar. Being a civilian was not. Think about even in your life during this lockdown or partial lockdown or whatever it is we've been under in our area. How many of us were on a, maybe on a diet when the lockdown started. And then it began to be frustrating and discouraging. And so what did we do? Did we stick with it? Or did we go back to what was familiar? Or we were exercising. And the gyms closed. So did we continue and find ways to exercise? Or did we go back to what was familiar? Do what was easiest. For some, going back to what's easiest or going back to what's familiar, it could be going back to a sin they've struggled with. Struggle with the sin, you fight against it, it's always there, so what's the, the path of least resistance? What's the easiest thing to do? Just go back and quit fighting in it. Because it's familiar. And for the time being, we don't have to focus on how hard it is to struggle against it. Uh, others may take the path of least resistance and do what's easiest. Because what's easiest, again, at least for the time being, allows them to avoid what is difficult, to put away the thoughts of discouragement, and to not have to face the difficulty of moving forward. But here's the truth. As disciples of Jesus, we are not meant to go backward. We are not meant to take the path of least resistance. Jesus 
is always calling us forward. And we are meant to follow when forward is hard. We are meant to follow when forward leads to trials and tribulations. We are meant to follow when the path of least resistance seems so much easier. So much more fun. Disciples of Jesus, we're not even meant to stay where we are. We are meant to move forward following Jesus. Always moving forward. Today we're starting a a new study that is going to be primarily in the book of Joshua. And it's called Forward. In this study we're going to learn how and why we are to move forward in our lives as individuals. Because Jesus is calling us forward. We're going to learn how and why to move forward in our families. Because Jesus isn't just calling us as individuals. He's calling our families to move forward. And we're going to learn how and why to move forward as a local church. Because again, Jesus isn't just calling us as individuals. And He's not just calling us as a family. He's calling us as a local church body devoted to Him to move forward. So we're going to learn how to do that. But, plot twist. We're going to start our study of Joshua in the book of Numbers. If Joshua was a movie, where we're starting at in Numbers would be the prequel to the movie. And we'll learn, as we look at Joshua, what happens when we don't move forward. So we're going to be in Numbers 13 and 14. right? And and we will in some ways cover all of it. I'm not going to read it. All of it. We're going to just kind of talk about a few verses. I'll tell the overall story of Numbers 13 and 14. And we're going to learn a powerful lesson about what happens when we don't move forward following Jesus. Right, so Numbers 13, look at verse 1. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, every tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a ruler among them. And then on down through verse 16, it lists the names of these men that are sent out. So God tells Moses to send out scouts into the promised land. Check it out and bring back a report. So Moses, in verses 4... Through 16, he picks out one man from each tribe. And then in verse 17, it says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go unto the mountain. So he, he sends them out to scout the land, to do a reconnaissance mission, to see what the land is like. Right? He, he tells them to go here and there and go to the extents of it. But look at what he says in verse 20. He says, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether it be wood therein or not. And here's the part I want us to see. And be ye of good courage. Now, that'll be important later in the story. So Moses picks the men. He tells them to go and how far to go. And he sends them out and he tells them to be courageous. So they go out in the next few verses. 
And they come back. Look at verse 26. And they went and they came to Moses, to Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran in Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came into land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Now God had promised that He would take them to the land of milk and honey, a land that was prosperous and abundant and wonderful. They scout the land, they come back and they say, Woohoo! It is everything God said. And you would think this would just fire them up and it would send them out and be like, let's go. But notice what happens in verse 28. Nevertheless, now nevertheless is like but, right? When someone says but to you, you know things are about to change. I love you, but they're about to say something bad about you. I would love to help you, but they ain't going to help you, are they? The land is wonderful, but, uh uh-oh, here's a problem. The people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. These are the first seeds of doubt being planted. Now, I mean, here's the thing. Here's what I wondered as I studied this. Every time I studied, I wondered this, right? Because they're sent out to scout the land. They're sent out to, to see what's there. And they come back and bring this report. And, and I wonder, rather than seeing themselves as, as faith killers, rather than seeing themselves as sowing seeds of doubt and discord and despair, Do they justify this report, which verse 32 will call an evil report, by saying, we're just being realistic. We're just being realistic. It can't be done. I mean, it's great. It's all that we've always dreamed of. But the reality is we can't do it. I wonder. Now, verse 30, Caleb, one of the two spies who doesn't go along with this rebellion, He stilled the people, it says in verse 30, before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb has faith in God. Right? Caleb doesn't deny the size of the walls. He doesn't desire deny the size of the, the mountains and the difficulty. He just says, we can still do it. Right? He has Faith, he's ready to go forward where God is calling them. But, there's more discouragers speaking. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up, and again, in the King James it says, An evil report of the land which they had searched the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, is a land that, notice the wording, now, the wording that they say about the land, that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So we were in their sight. Something that stood out to me as I was studying this, 
is notice how they had lost their focus on God. On the greatness of God and on the power of God. But God is not at all in their thoughts or their descriptions of what will happen. Right? The land eats the people that go there. The people are all great in stature. Right? They're, they're mighty warriors. There are giants in the land. And as we look at the people and we see the walls and the warriors and the giants, we feel insignificant. It's like we're grasshoppers in comparison to them. But there is no talk of what God can do. There's no talk of who God is and what God is like. Now, keep in mind, this is the same God that has plundered Egypt through His great power and delivered them not many days before. They have seen God blot out the sun. They have seen God turn the water to blood. They have seen God to cause hail to fall on one part of Egypt, but not on another part. They have seen their God do great things. But in the sight of this problem, where God is calling them forward, all they can see is the many ways they will fail. It can't be done. God is not at all in any of their thoughts. They are beginning a, a rebellion against God to keep the people from following Him and moving forward. Now, here's the problem with doubts and discouragement and these sort of evil reports. Look at verse 14. and Or chapter 14, verse 1, I'm sorry. And all the congregation... Lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. Now, it starts with ten guys. Because Joshua, we'll see, is also not among this crew. But ten guys saying, she can't be done. We're going to die. They're so big and we're so small and we just can't. It spreads among all the people. And all the congregation is now. Essentially the picture in chapter 4. Chapter 14 verse 1. Is that they kind of lay on the ground. And squall and bawl. All night long. Woo we're going to die. Oh my gosh. Now notice what they go on and do in verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would to God we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness. That they blame Moses and Aaron. For disrupting their cushy lives in Egypt. Now, what was their cushy lives in Egypt like? They were slaves. I mean, Egypt was taking their male children and tossing it into the Nile. And they missed that. Oh, how much better it was in slavery than in freedom with God. They go on in verse 3. Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prayed. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? 
And they said to one another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. They want to pick a leader and go back to Egypt. They're discouraged. They're afraid. They're concerned about how difficult it is. And rather than following God and going forward, they want to go back to the familiar, even though the familiar is slavery. They would rather go back to the familiar land of their slavery than follow God into the freedom and the promises He has given to them. Think about this. It doesn't take a lot of faith to stay still. Right? It doesn't take a lot of faith to stay comfortable and in the familiar. It doesn't take a lot of faith to go back to what you've always done. But it takes a greater faith to listen to God, to follow God, and to go forward. To leave the unfamiliar, or leave the familiar for the unfamiliar. To leave the known for the unknown. To leave your comfort zone. Doubts about God. That's what this is. This isn't doubts about them ultimately. It is doubts about the greatness and the power and the ability of God to do what He said. Paralyzed them with fear. Held them back. And caused them to want to play it safe. These doubts about God cause them to reject what's new and the direction God is leading them. Now, that's what doubts about God will do for us too. But if we look at the future and we look at moving forward and we see the problems, the, 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 the insurmountable seemingly problems, and we focus on that rather than God and we begin to doubt God's greatness and God's goodness and God's power, It will hold us back. It will paralyze us with fear. It will cause us to play it safe. And it will cause us to reject anything that is new, uncomfortable, unfamiliar, or unknown. Going forward with God always requires us to walk by faith. Now, verse 3, it's pretty interesting. I passed over it, but go back and look at verse 3 again. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us in this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should be prey? <laughs> Notice they're, at this point they're questioning the character of God. God just brought us out here to fail. God just led us to this point to kill us and to kill our children and to kill our wives. A lot of what they're doing is they're using their family to justify Their disobedience. God is calling them forward. Cross the Jordan. And what they're saying is, but what about our kids? If we go there, our kids, our families, they're going to suffer. That's what God's got going for us. We're going to suffer if we go forward. Can't we we see something similar might happen with us? Well, we see similar things in our day. I would be more generous. I would give to missions more. I would tithe more. But I would be fair to take away from my family. I would tell my co-worker about Jesus. But, but what if I lost my job? And then how would I provide for my family? 
I would be more active in serving in the church. I would find and use my spiritual gifts. But, but I don't think I should take that kind of time away from my family. I can't follow where God wants me to go. It wouldn't be safe to take my kids into a place like that. And while these reasons may sound great, they are little more than using our families to soothe our consciences about disobeying God by not moving forward. It's exactly what the Israelites were doing in verse 3. In verse 5, Moses and Aaron recognize what the people are doing. So they fall on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of Israel. They begin to intercede. They're falling on their faces, crying out to God to spare them. And as Moses cries out to God, intercedes, and tries to get God to, to, stop, or to, to spare them so He doesn't destroy them in this rebellion, Joshua and Caleb, they rise up filled with faith. Joshua, the son of Nun, in verse 6. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them, which searched the land, rent their clothes. Right, So they just cannot believe what the people are saying after all they've seen. And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through and search it, it is an exceedingly good land. But now, in verse 8 and 9, notice the difference in their perspective, right? The other ten, the people were giants. And we're like grasshoppers. The land eats people and we're... We're just food for them. Notice how Joshua and Caleb speak. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Do you see the difference in the perspective, right? Joshua and Caleb, they don't begin to say things like they're not that big. The problems aren't that hard. There's not that many people. The walls aren't that thick. They don't say any of that. What do they say? God. God is great. God is awesome. God can give it to us. God is for us and not for them. It doesn't matter how big and how mighty and how hard the problem is. Our God is with us. Let's go forward and let's follow Him. Now, look at the first of verse 10. This is interesting. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Wow. Right? I mean, that's like... That's pretty rough. Those who want to disobey God and go back to slavery or stay here and, and not follow God and move forward. They want to kill those who trust God. They want to kill those who say God can give it to us. They want to kill those who say let's follow God and go where God wants us to go. I think a lesson for us is if we... We are a people of faith and we are devoted to do God's will. And we're going to go forward when God leads us forward. There are going to be people who vigorously oppose us. There are going to be people who tell us it's not sensible. There are going to be people who tell us we're stupid. There are going to be people who tell us all the reasons what we're trying will fail. There will be vigorous opposition to our faith 
and our willingness to go and follow God forward. So a question I want to ask you. Are you more of a let's go our God is able kind of person? Are you more of a no we'll all die shut up kind of person? Now truthfully it's doubtful any of us are all one or the other. Right? I mean the reality is maybe in some situations where let's go some situations where let's hold back. It may just depend on the day. But the key truth, key thought with this, we should want to be the let's go people. We should want to have more faith in God than we do in the enemy. We should want to have more confidence in God's power than we do in the size of our problems. We should want to say, if this is where God is leading, I'm all in, let's go. I'm going forward. With God. Now, God has been absent from this in His actions, in His speaking. No more. Look at the last of verse 10. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. I think, to me, it just pictures, have you ever, when you were kids maybe, you and your siblings were fighting and your dad was like, shut up! And it was just like, The air went out of the room and everybody was quiet. It's kind of how I picture this scene. They're all screaming different things. And then the glory of the Lord comes down. And they're all just like, silence. And God speaks. The Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? Now, provoke in the King James is also rendered in different ways in different translations. The New King James says, reject The Christian Standard Bible says despise. And the New Living Translation says treat me with contempt. Now, let's not rush past this. Let's let let that weigh on us. I don't think the Israelites would have said I'm trying to provoke God to anger. I don't think they would have said I'm rejecting God. I don't think they would have said I despise God or I'm treating Him with contempt. But that was how God interpreted their lack of faith. That was how God interpreted their unwillingness to press forward when He was leading them. And God explains the reason. He determines, He feels they are provoking, rejecting, and despising Him. How long will it be ere they believe Me? They don't believe Him. They they don't believe God. And so they reject Him. They provoke Him. They despise Him. They're treating Him with contempt. And, and, and all of this is despite all the signs which I showered among them. Right? I mean, think of all they've seen up to this point. A pillar of fire by night. A pillar of cloud by day. Egypt and all of the signs God brought their manna falling from the sky. Water coming from a rock. And God has done all of these miraculous things. And they look at these people and say, God can't. God can't conquer these problems. We're rejecting His call. We're despising what He's offered us. We're gonna, it is contemptuous that God would lead us into this place so we would all die. 
Again, let's, let's let this weigh on us a minute. When God is calling us to move forward, and we are unwilling to move forward, it, it is always, always, because we don't believe Him. We either don't believe He's able to lead us forward, we don't believe He's willing to lead us forward, or we don't believe He will keep His word after calling us to move forward. Regardless, the root of our unwillingness to move forward is we don't believe God. And God takes that very, very personally. God sees that as provoking Him, as rejecting Him, as treating Him with contempt or despising Him. How important is it for us to move forward when God is calling us forward? If you look at verse 12, I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make a greater and mightier than they. God's response is, I'm just going to kill them all, and I'm going to start all over again. Again, God apparently takes this all very personally and is not even remotely okay with this. Think about that again. Think about God's response. He's not saying, whoa, it's good to be cautious. He's not saying, hey, I like the realist in you, brother. No. God is saying, you don't believe me. You're rejecting me. I'm just going to kill you and I'll start all over again with everybody else. Think about that. How important is it we follow God? And he's moving us forward. Now, Moses, as he does, falls down and begins to cry out to God to spare them. Now, we don't have time to read it, but read Moses' intercession in verses 12 or 13 through 19. Right? Moses doesn't say, oh, come on, God, they're not that bad. He doesn't say, oh, come on, God, they don't deserve it. He says, but you're great and the people are going to hear that you killed them and they're going to say God's maybe not that great. You've told us you were merciful and you forgive sin. So, so God, because of your great mercy, forgive them. Now, the reason I point that out, it's not really relevant to what we're talking about today. But we talked about intercession in the Lives at Five all last week. What do we base our intercession on? The character of the people or the character of the God we're interceding to? The character of God. Because of your mercy, because of your power, because of your glory, do this. Now, Verse 20, the Lord says, I have pardoned according to thy word. And this again, just as kind of an aside. How important is it for us to intercede for others? If Moses had not interceded, what would have happened? There would have been like Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb and I guess their wives. And God was going to kill the rest of them. Moses' intercession made a difference. Ours does too. But again, that's not really part of this particular lesson. God does hand down a judgment though. Because these men, verse 22, have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have tempted me these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. They're not going to get to go into the promised land. They're going to miss everything God had for them. God had promised them. Now, again, this is significant. 
Because these people had lived as slaves. And what kept them going in their 400 years of slavery was this promise of God. God would one day deliver them. God would lead them to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. And now, after God came to deliver them in their lifetime, in their generation, they were going to miss it because they refused to follow God and go forward. They would miss everything they had waited on from their entire life. From the moment they were born, they were told these stories. And now they would miss it all. Every one of their their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, their great-great-grandparents had longed to see this day. It happened in theirs and they missed it and would not get to see it. But Joshua and Caleb will get to see it. But my servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit that followed me fully, him I will bring into the land where the... uh, Whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. We'll talk about, we'll see Joshua in verse 30. Verse 25 through 29 is interesting, right? Well, let me just say verse 24 and verse 30. Verse 30, um, not verse 30. Well, lost my train of thought. 38. That's why your notes have to be accurate. Verse 38, Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of Jephthah, which were of men, went to search the land, lived still. They would live. Now, one thing I just want to point out is those who don't follow God miss it. But those who do see it. Now, this is, again, a big thing. Everybody doesn't get the same thing. If God calls you and I to follow Him and go forward, you follow and I don't. You get to experience what God promised. I don't. Right? My lack of faith, my unwillingness to go forward, I miss out, but you won't. Now, verse 25, um, God says you're just going to turn, you're going to start walking. The Lord spoke in verse Moses and Aaron in verse 26, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? Heard their murmurings against the children of Israel which they murmur against me, saying to them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, You have spoken in mine ears, so I will do to you. Now that's important. As you have believed, so it will be done unto you. Is kind of what he's saying. What you've said, it's going to happen. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. Remember what they said? Why won't God bring us out here and we're just going to die in the wilderness? Your carcasses are going to fall in the wilderness. Everyone, according to the whole number, from 20 years old and upward have murmured against me. Doubtless. You shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you uh, make you dwell therein, save Caleb, son of Jephthunah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Right? Instead, what's going to happen is they're going to wander in the wilderness for one year for every day they searched out the land. That's what it says in verse 33 and 34. They they searched the land for 40 days, and so they're going to wander for 40 years Until every person who is 20 years old and upward dies. Now verse 31 is really interesting. It's also a part of God using their words to judge them. But your little ones, which you said should be prey, them will I bring in. And they shall know the land in which you have despised. Look at verse 34 as well. It goes on with the children. Nope, not that one. 
Yeah, verse 33. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms to your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. So here's kind of what we see that I think is really important. The children were going to suffer because they refused to follow God and go forward. The, the children, they were saying, but, but they're, they're going to die if we go forward. Now they were going to suffer, but it wasn't because they went forward with God. It was because they would not go forward with God. Now, sure, their children would take the land eventually, 40 years later. Their children would also have to wander in the wilderness. They would have to bear their whoredoms. And wander in the wilderness along with the people. And this always strikes in my heart because as a parent. We are not the only people affected by our unwillingness to follow God and go forward. Our children. Are affected as well. Our decision not to follow God forward. Can have lasting and negative consequences on our children. Now after this generation dies off. Another generation rises up and they go and take the land. The children who take the land are the warriors of the book of Joshua, which we're going to start next week. They will do what their parents would not do. They will experience what their parents missed. And we'll talk about all that. What I want to leave us with this morning is one key thought really quickly. Ish. When we don't move forward, we miss God's plans. God's promises, God's power, and God's purposes in and for our lives. When we don't move forward, we miss God's plans, God's promises, God's power, and God's purposes in and for our lives. So I want to break that down and we'll close. We miss God's plans. One of the most important truths to realize from this story is their refusal to follow God caused them to miss what God planned to give them. God planned this 400 years or more ago. This was His plan for this generation to bring them out of Egypt, to lead them across the promised land, to settle them into a land flowing with milk and honey. God was able to do it. God wanted to do it. God's plans were to do it. The only reason this generation did not inherit the promised land was because they were unwilling to follow God and to move forward. Now, Scripture is clear. God has plans for you and I as individuals. God has plans for our families. And God has plans for His church, our Church. God has planned these plans from the beginning of creation. We are redeemed in part to fulfill these plans. But to see these plans come to pass in our life, in our family, and in our church requires us to move forward. If we will not follow God and move forward, we will miss God's plans. We miss God's promises. God had promised To give them the land. God had promised to fight for them as they took the land. God had promised to give them victory over their enemies. God had given them many promises. 
about what would happen when they crossed the Jordan and went into this new land. And they missed all of them. Not because God couldn't or God wouldn't or God wasn't willing, but because they refused to follow God and move forward. They missed the fulfillment of God's promises in their lives. Have you ever wondered about what you might have missed out on because you didn't trust God and move forward when He was leading? Man, I have. Here lately especially, the last few months, Think about how many promises God has given to us in Scripture. Promises of God as revealed in Scripture are guarantees. If God has said it, He can do it and He will do it. However, these promises are almost always conditional. If you do, then I will. In order to experience the fulfillment of these promises, we have to follow God and go forward where He's leading. Because that's that's where the promises are fulfilled. Not, not back there. Not in the comfort here. But across the Jordan. There. Forward. And if we don't follow God and go forward, we miss out on the experience of seeing God's promises fulfilled in us and through us and for us. We, we miss on God's power. Now, you probably have read the book of Joshua. So you know the things God did. Things we're going to come to in the next few months. Those are pretty great things, all of them. What God did in Joshua's time, He would have done in this time as well. They missed out on those experiences of God's power. Not because God had to get stronger in the next 40 years, but because they refused to follow God and go forward. They missed All of those displays of His power on their behalf. Have you ever thought about what God wants to do in you and through you and for you? Again, Scripture says a lot about what God wants to do in us and through us and for us as as individuals, as families, as a church. God wants to display His power in us, through us, and for us. To accomplish His purposes in the world. To fulfill His promises. And the only way we're going to get to see God's power on display in that way. Is if we follow Him and move forward. We're not going back to where we came from. And experiencing God's power back there. We don't need God's power to just sort of stay here. In in the comfort and the complacent zone. God's power is there. It's out of our comfort zone. It's across the Jordan. Into the promised land. And we only experience it as we follow God. And go forward. And we miss God's purposes. This is interesting. As a result of their unwillingness to follow God. And move forward. They're going to spend the next 40 years. Wandering in the wilderness. Psalm 78. Speaks of this time in the wilderness. And in verse 33. Says their days were consumed in Vanity in the King James. The word translated as vanity means pointlessness or uselessness. In other words, they wasted their lives doing things that did not ultimately matter. Now, think about this for a second. It's not like they spent those 40 years sitting under 
palm trees eating dates. They walked. They fought battles. They they did all kinds of things during that 40 years. Despite they spent that 40 years doing all kinds of stuff. It was still 40 years consumed in vanity. One entire generation lived and died. And their lives were consumed with vanity. Despite the fact they were busy. But they were busy doing things that didn't ultimately matter. You know, so often we think, or at least I think, that a life consumed in vanity, that wasting our lives is, is just sitting around doing nothing. Right? It's, you wasted your life on social media. You wasted your life just watching Netflix. You wasted your life taking naps or playing Call of Duty or Angry Birds. The reality is, someone doesn't have to do nothing to have their life consumed in vanity. What we learn is they can be, we can be busy, very, very busy people and still have a life consumed by vanity. It reminds me of a quote by my favorite preacher named Francis Chan. He said, our greatest fear in life shouldn't be of failure, but of succeeding in things in life that really don't matter. Our greatest fear in life should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that really don't matter. That is a a tough thought. So when we don't move forward, we miss God's plans, God's promises, God's power, and God's purposes in and for our lives. So my question for you, In what ways is God calling you forward? Not is He. He is. As we'll see next week, God is always calling us forward. But in what ways is He calling you forward? In what ways is He calling you forward as an individual? In what ways is He calling your family forward? In what ways is He calling our church forward? The question we have to wrestle with Will I follow? Will we follow? Or will we go back to what's comfortable and easy and miss God's plans, God's promises, God's power, and God's purposes in and for our lives? Let's determine. We will be a people who go forward following God Looking at the power and the size of God. Not at the power and the size of whatever lies before us. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We surrender to you. We want to hear your voice leading us forward. And where you lead us, we will follow. We will move forward and we will keep our eyes focused on your greatness and your power. We will not look at the giants in the land. We will not look at the size of the walls before us. We will say our God reigns and our God rules. He is in the heavens and He can do whatsoever He pleases. If our God is for us, it just doesn't matter who is against us. We surrender to You to walk where You want us to walk, to cross the promise, to cross the river when You call us to cross. Or we will fight whatever battles You you place before us and we will do it absolutely confident. 
and your ability to give us the victories we need. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, just a few announcements. Uh, Obviously, we're not meeting this weekend uh, as even though things have been opened up. We met with the deacons Wednesday night. Our decision was essentially to wait. And every week we're going to kind of check and see what's going on and, and find out when is the wisest and best time for us to meet back together in person. So you pray for us to have wisdom. We would do what needs to be done as far as that goes. Uh, of course, if you want to, always want to mention this, if you go to give, you can mail a check to Northridge Free Will Baptist Church, Post Office Box 1707, Guyman, Oklahoma. Uh, you, there, Lavina picks it up. You can get it to her. Uh, you can drop it off when I'm at the church, which is typically most weekdays. And then you can give online. That is the full address. I'll not try to read it to you. Right, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Love you guys.